Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friends, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hi! And today we are joined by our friend, Kristen. Hello! Today we're going to be talking about To All the Boys I've Loved Before and Exaggerated Reality. So, spoiler alert for To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. So, Kristen, do you think you could give us a short uh, synopsis of what this movie is? Girl accidentally has to confess for to five guys, basically. Not intentionally, and then there's a semi-love triangle and she ends up with handsome, popular guy. Yeah, yeah. that was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're done. That settles that. Uh, did you like it? It was okay. I mean... That's that's about as good as I'll go. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was anything special. I don't think it was particularly bad, but it was just, it was very average, in my opinion. Whenever I try to rate things, I try to make sure there's an odd number of things so that I can never just go halfway and say, like, 50-50. So, out of five stars, I'd say that it was three, because it was a little better than, like, I didn't like it. But it wasn't anything that I would recommend to anyone, and I would not watch it again, unless, like, there was an ulterior motive. Yeah, in a world where truly bad movies exist, I wouldn't say this is a bad movie, but, like, it's really not particularly good. It's competent. I'll say that. I'd, I'd probably agree on, like, a 2.53 out of 5 stars, maybe. But the reason I choose 5 That's stars why you is do so... It, Alex. <laughs> why would you... Add 0.5 stars into a rating system designed to not have a middle ground. Because five is too short. <laughs> but sometimes uh, then things need a middle ground. Like, it was truly average. Yeah. Like, Which I guess would be three. <laughs> but still. I don't know. There were but, enjoyable moments, and there were moments that were not enjoyable. Yeah. True, Truly average is a good way to put it. Like, absolute zero. This is, like, true average. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that there were moments where I laughed out loud at the comedy, and moments where I laughed out loud making fun of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, a, a mix of there were enjoyable moments, and then there was also, like, this is a bad movie, but at least it's lighthearted. There was never a moment for me where I was like, oh my god, I'm sitting through a whole hour and 49 minutes of this. Mm-hmm. Um, the big kind of uh, problem with it for me is, Kristen, you brought up that the girl, Laura Jean, has to, by no choice, confess her love to five boys. Two are of consequence. Two we don't meet. And then one is brushed off like nothing ever happened. So it's like, why were there five letters? I think... And again, this is a novel series that the movie is based off of. The author, Jenny Han, did it so there could be more than one book. Right. So each book would presumably focus on her with like interacting with yes. a new boy that got a letter. I think otherwise you're right. Like what is the yeah. point? Um also just because I mean, being sixteen and having five guys you resolutely thought you loved is a high number. Yeah, it was... Like, um, to seriously be like, I loved him. Yeah. It, it was very... And I guess we'll get into this more with the broad topic of, like, the heightened high school reality. But that idea of, like, my first crush, my first true love was in second grade. 
And it's like, no, that's not what true love is. You thought that boy was cute and funny. Which is understandable. Yeah. I will say in general, teenage rom-coms are fun for me. <laughs> I, I would never not watch one uh, because it's just, again, I use this word already, but lighthearted where I don't really need to pay too much attention to it and I mm -hmm. enjoy it along the way, but I don't need to pause it and cook. I can just leave it playing in the background and it's of little consequence to me what happens at the end, so mm -hmm. I think it keeps me safe uninvested i get heartbroken really easily in these movies yeah um speaking of that this movie is pretty predictable um so she, uh, one of the boys she writes a letter to the two of them devise a plan to be in a fake relationship to make her ex-boyfriend to make the boy's ex-girlfriend jealous and to make the boy that the girl really likes jealous is no, that right? It to... was more so to prevent her sister, Margot, who okay. just broke up with him, uh, Josh, to think that there was something going on. So uh, okay. one of the boys that uh, Lara Jean had a crush on was dating his her sister. For two years. Mm -hmm, it was right. a real relationship. And aside from not wanting her sister to find out, she didn't want the boy, Josh to actually believe that she had feelings for him. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as soon as they devise this plan to fake date, it's like, okay, they're going to end up together by the end of the movie. I can check out. Like, I know what yeah. happens. It's a very, very predictable trope. Um, and in the young adult genre, it really was made famous, like, memorably so, by The Hunger Games with Katniss and Peeta. So, like, it's kind of hard to do that better. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked the scene where they were coming up with a contract because mm -hmm. the scene was almost like a one-minute scene because they only had one condition. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they started, like, riffing off each other. It was like, by the way, no kissing. What? No kissing? Yeah, that's important to me. Well, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're almost done and then all of a sudden they add like five more things to the list as they go back and forth and then they're like and the ski trip well if we're still fake dating by then uh, alright but like if we are the ski trip is really important to me the ski trip is not brought up in the contract in the book it is mm. literally discussed in December right before be like hey we're still doing this so you should go to the ski trip with me but the ski trip is where more people do sexual things than senior week and prom weekend combined. And if the ski trip's tomorrow... <laughs> I, I think I prefer that, of just like, uh, hey, what do we do about the ski trip? I don't know. I, I didn't think we'd get this far. I, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a hell of a thing to have a contingency plan for a fake relationship mm -hmm. months in advance. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I, I do, I did like the contract scene, but that was a clear, like, well, like, if we're still together, you're going to be still together. Yeah. <laughs> like, why bother putting this scene in here? And um, you know what's going to happen just, just because yeah. he wrote it in large capitalized block letters. So, like, it's like, if there was any question of whether or not there was going to be a ski trip, it's answered within, like... A minute. Yeah. And within within the rest of the contract, you realize like they're really committed 
to each other, <laughs> even though it's yeah. in their contract. Like, you have to go to all of my lacrosse games. Like, that's already a lot. <laughs> yeah. Not, some real boyfriend girlfriends, like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go to your lacrosse yes. game, but babe, we're dating. <laughs> but lacrosse is so boring. <laughs> it's my life. <laughs> but you're not even that good. <laughs> um... I did like when they were going to the ski trip, the dad had a fun scene of, I bought you condoms. Oh, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Which I think could have been funnier, but felt forced. But I think her reaction made it better. And he, like, tries to dismiss the awkward scenario. He's like, okay, have fun. And she's like, well, now I have to. You gave me a bunch of rubbers. <laughs> yeah. I did like that reaction to, like, have fun. It's like, well, I guess so. <laughs> I actually think that was one of the funnier parts in the movie. And... In the book, I'm going to be saying that phrase a lot. That's fine. <laughs> in the book, the sex talk actually happens after she gets back from the trip because her mm. sister, who's already home, tells her dad as like sort of a revenge that there's a rumor that she and Peter had sex in a hot tub. So uh, that's when she gets the sex talk and that's when her and Margot end up really fighting. That's so much worse. I would have preferred to see a real fight like that. Family dynamic tension lasted a minute. <laughs> I think yeah. the novel did the family situation a lot better, just that they explored it more, and the relationship between all the sisters was really fully fleshed out. So, as opposed to just having Margot in the first five minutes and then in the last five minutes, just being like, oh yeah, she is the older sister. But in the book, she really does play an important part in Laura Jean's thinking process. Yeah, the movie does a lot of that, where it's like, hey, here's this character that's very important to Laura Jean. Have fun never seeing them again in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we see Josh at the beginning. He gets broken up with by the older sister, which I felt was an unnecessary tidbit when Margot and Laura Jean are talking. And she's like, why did you break up with him? And she's like, because mom said not to go to college with a boyfriend. And that was that. And it felt like a forced, hey, by the way, our mom is dead scene. Mm -hmm. And I felt like she could have just done it on her own. Like, yeah, yeah I like him, but I don't want to feel held back. Like, that's totally reasonable. Mm -hmm. And then still have, you can still be upset and still have feelings for them, even though you're the one who broke up with them. And I feel like they had that t tidbit because they wanted Margot to be justified in being mad, even though she could have still been mad. Yeah. I wonder, uh, just because we uh, recently recorded for 8th grade, I'm wondering if this is a trope in high school movies where it's like one parent is not in the picture. It's a trope it's in Disney. Disney. Yeah, I was going to say that. So maybe it's, it's a trope in Disney and superhero movies. So I it think it's a trope in a lot of media just because it adds another layer of something mm -hmm. to whatever character. I think it's an easy way to make them more yeah. complex or have more depth. Even if it's not explored, mm -hmm. it's a defining characteristic that says, hey, this character has been through something. Yeah. And I think it's a lot easier to play off of that than making a fully realized character who hasn't really had anything go wrong in their lives and then go from there. I think it makes them a little bit more interesting. Just yeah. It's like a scar or an eye patch. It's like, yeah. hey, this person has a checkered past. 
from an audience perspective, it's as simple as here you're supposed to sympathize with her. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's she because like there's a main character, but at the beginning of a movie, you can root for her or you can root against her. Mm-hmm. As soon as they have a dead parent, oh, we're rooting for her. Okay, yeah, it's the same <laughs> in action movies when they're like, hey, this badass marine also has a wife and kids. Now, don't you really hope that he doesn't die? <laughs> I don't want to call it lazy writing, but I think it's a cop out for a lot of creators it can definitely be done well yeah again with eighth grade i think it was like for a purpose um but this one i think was more of a cop out of just like you should feel bad for her i think jenny han again the author did it a little bit better in the book just in the sense that her mother is the korean part of her Mm. so in the book there is more focus on her korean heritage and ethnicity And that how she and her sisters and her father still are trying to remain connected to the culture, even though their direct influence is gone. Mm -hmm. So there is more of an influence from her mother there that isn't really explored in the movie at all. Right. And like they try to reincorporate it when we're starting to get sympathy for Peter because she's like, yeah, my mom died. And he's like, yeah, my dad left. Mm-hmm. And so now they have that connection. So, but again, it just felt forced, like a matter yeah. of, oh, well, yeah, people always bond easiest with negative things. So that makes sense. But mm-hmm. also, can't they just like each other? <laughs> it's can't also, just, oh, sorry, sorry. No, it's, no, it's also like one of those setups where it could easily just be like, oh, and now your parents are together. That's like, true. <laughs> like, because that's what honestly is. I didn't read the book beforehand. That's what of one of the things I felt like could have happened. Like in the book, it's discussed that her father should be trying to go out and date more, but for him to just be a single guy, a wealthy single guy, he's a physician. He's a physician. He's a really nice house. Like, yeah, he has three daughters, but I feel like a lot of women would have snatched that up. And then in the movie, you're introduced to Peter's mom, who is gorgeous, also has a really nice house, and is super single. And it's like, this isn't explored anymore, but like, why did we just introduce two single parents who are obviously looking for other people? Right. And understanding that there's more books, we can hypothesize that there might be more movies. Mm -hmm. Especially with the reviews of this movie. That are really positive. Like, they have a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. And out of the three of us here, we're a little confused. (laughs) Yeah. So there's the 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. People on Twitter are, like, raving about it and being like, man, this Netflix movie made me cry. And it's like, when? (laughs) Like, what part of this movie is worthy of crying at? (laughs) I... I don't know. Again, Again, it's fine. Like, but (laughs) I don't know. I don't think it's a 95. (laughs) Only because people like it am I now going to have to attack it. Yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, I would have dismissed it as a movie. Yeah. It it was an hour and a half that I spent watching it. (laughs) Um, I did care for Peter. I thought he was very charming. Mm -hmm. And they try to explore this concept that I think they could have done a better job at but I've also never seen it explored before so I was excited about it of he breaks up with his girlfriend but still has like feelings for her and also like is sort of almost like drawn to her even though he knows that he's developing feelings for Laura Jean 
and like but he still like talks with her still has phone calls with her and sort of lets her be walk all around him mm-hmm. i think it's important to remember really that she broke up with him like that distinction should be made because if it was his choice to just end it i think that would have been a lot weirder mm-hmm. for him to keep in contact but it is there is a distinction the fact that she ended it she got her college boyfriend he was jealous and they'd also been going out for a while. They had been going out since eighth grade, I think. So that's at least two and a half years of them having been together. Did she have a college boyfriend in the movie? Or was that I in don't the know book? If it's they, that in the movie, but she has a college boyfriend in the book, and I believe his name is Blake. We don't meet him, but it's mentioned. They meet Blake. Um, Peter and um, Jen are arguing at one point, and he's like, you broke up with me. You have your college boyfriend now. And it was to the point I was like, am I really not paying attention? But like, what, when did that happen? <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think it's just, um, so if they don't meet him in the book, it's probably similar here where they're like, we'll just mention that she has a college boyfriend. Like, it's not important. I mean, I don't think it's a particularly important plot device at all. Yeah. Just that she's moved on from Peter. Yeah. Even though but she kind of hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I was going to say that's um, how you made the distinction of, he Peter got broken up with, but Jen is still like controlling him, and she's talking to him on the phone and like going to him at the party. So there, it is a testament to her character. There was an uncomfortable scene at the party where she steals his scrunchie. That's really Laura Jean's. Does not happen in the book. Just throwing that out there. That and, was added. Yeah, and it it made me like cringe a little bit because like mm-hmm. she clearly has this agenda. And he is trying to break free from her spell, but, like, just can't stop her. And then it does come up in the third act where she still has the scrunchie and Laura Jean now thinks that they hooked up after he, after she and him uh, made out. And, again, forced, but also it was brought up in the first act, so it's important to be brought up again. It was weird, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's... Genevieve is a lot more formidable in the book. We learn a little bit more about her, but we also learn about when she and Peter had broken up briefly beforehand. Peter had dated this other girl whose name I don't remember, but apparently Genevieve ruined her life and she had to move or something. So there's a a very real reason (laughs) that Laura Jean is scared of her. Also, Laura Jean used to be friends with her. Um, Laura Jean, Peter, and I think it was John Ambrose and somebody else were all part of a friend group that used to hang out. And it was once high school started that Genevieve got really, really pretty and was too cool for everybody that she stopped talking to Laura Jean. Mm -hmm. And also that kiss in seventh grade. Also that kiss in seventh grade, yes. Of Mm -hmm. course, you can't forget the kiss in seventh grade. Um, (laughs) There was a really funny scene of Laura Jean being like, we didn't even use tongue. And Genevieve was like, well, you use tongue to me. Yes. <laughs> I laughed out loud at the absurdity of that. And I think even, like, the actress portrayed it well, well where the character, like, shook her head like, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to walk away before she points it out. <laughs> it, was a, it was definitely an extravagant reaction. Yeah. Overall, with Laura Jean, I liked that she was strong and, like, stood up to Genevieve, but it definitely didn't fully make sense, or I didn't see it portrayed as she was afraid 
of Genevieve. And Peter even brings it up and is like, you're not even afraid of her. And she's like, no, I am. Yeah, but you don't let her walk around you. Mm-hmm. I guess. But it just didn't, it wasn't portrayed as I'm afraid of you. Yeah, if she wasn't afraid of her, I think she actually would have punched Genevieve in the face in the bathroom scene. Mm -hmm. Just because if you take a video of somebody in a very intimate moment entering a hot tub and tell everybody it's them having sex and post it all over social media, I think that deserves a punch to the face. And I think if you're not scared of somebody and you confront them about that, having your privacy totally violated and just beyond that, just like, excuse me, that's a pretty like... Punchable. Punchable action. <laughs> like, that deserves more of a conflict than what happened. Yeah, I think this movie kind of tiptoed between, like, world where um, Laura Jean would punch her in the face and, like, grounded in reality where obviously you wouldn't, like, go and punch someone in the face in the middle of school. So, like, it... She's a different person. She would. I absolutely 100% yes. Well, that's fine. (laughs) If someone made a supposed sex tape of me without my consent, they would 100% be punched in the face. Yeah, and not to say that people don't fight at school, but um, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, in the context of this high school, there weren't going to be any physical fights. Yeah. Yet, it almost could have. You're right, it tiptoed... Struggle to define itself. Yeah. It weren't at very least a blow up. Even if it's not physical, there should have been yelling. Like that is You know what I'm imagining? That's life ruining. The scene in Love Simon where he gets outed and he blows up at the kid who posted on the blog about his um or sexual orientation. Like that blow up was really powerful. It wasn't Mm -hmm. Uh, physically violent, but it got the point across. I think you're right, there was room for that type of blow. I have not seen or read Love, Simon, but I think... I think just Laura trust Jean, me. To yes, yeah. I, I'm sure. <laughs> I think Laura Jean, just as a strong character, should have stood up for herself more. Mm-hmm. For essentially posting porn of her for the entire public to see. Mm-hmm. I think that is, if nothing else, a call to the cops. Yeah. Like, and that I, is illegal. I think, like, from there, we can easily transition into this heightened reality idea of, one, how the movie heightened reality, but also just in general how it gets used and how it's efficient sometimes and sometimes not. I would say in this movie, it was inefficient. Yeah. Yeah. I think they couldn't decide on what they wanted it to be. Um, I, in our notes, wrote Wes Anderson shots because when, first of all, this is weird that she walks through an active lacrosse practice um but the shot's very symmetrical and like they're not close to each other but they're like they're still like kind of yelling at each other not yelling but like you know so projecting projecting at each other thank you and then it happens again at the end of the movie and maybe it's because i recognize it as like wes anderson's style but it just gives this like surreal kind of weird heightened feeling but that only happens twice That scene bothered me, those scenes bothered me on multiple levels, mainly because, like, who does that? Who sits there, sees boys, like, running at each other, checking each other with large sticks and, like, a very hard ball and goes, I'm going to walk through that. 
and in the movie Peter is the goalie when you can easily walk along the sidelines and just approach him like a normal person <laughs> I'm going to go directly through this contact violent sport no fear everyone else has to make sure they're not hitting me <laughs> and somehow Peter doesn't have a problem with that because you just interrupted his practice and you look like an idiot and, and he's think, supposed to date you now? And I think a real person wouldn't even approach from the side. They'd be like, oh, Peter's at lacrosse practice. I guess I'll wait until he's done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I can kind of get that. Like, she worked up the courage. She doesn't yeah, want to get rid it, of it. it. Yeah, it's this, like, like, okay, I'm going to go. Now's my time moment. But still. Like, don't make yourself look stupid. There's also this aspect of I could never tell what time of day it was. I couldn't tell what part of the year it was unless they verbalized it. But for a hot minute that lacrosse practice felt like it was during gym because mm -hmm. every because there were still so many people on campus and then in general there were never any high school type consequences unless it helped them transition into another scene yeah. so they're running the track mm -hmm. and that's like the one time that like they're actually at class and they stop running they bump into each other um, Josh comes in with a letter in his hand, so Lara Jean kisses Peter on the ground, and then the gym teacher comes by and is like, what are you doing? Get up! Start yeah. running! And then the scene is over. And that's the only time we see a teacher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, uh, it reminded me of Ned's Declassified, where they had, like... The whole episode was in between, like, two classes. So it's like, how long do these kids have in between classes? <laughs> Ages. Yeah. Which Ages. I think is a common thing of, like, why do you have 20 minutes? Like, yeah. the bell rings, you have three minutes. I think that's just a lot of high school shows or movies. Yeah. It's just, they. I mean, what are you going to show us in history class? Yeah. Although they could have used it more with the note passing. Because Peter said he would pass or he would write a note to Laura Jean once a day to make Genevieve Dallas because she, Genevieve had asked him while they were dating to do that and he refused. So I can't imagine all of the note passing happened during the hallways because I can't think of a better time than during the middle of a really boring chemistry lecture to write a note and pass it to the girl I'm supposedly dating. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's perfect. Yeah, I agree that a lot of high school settings do require a heightened yeah. reality in order to provide opportunities for conflict because it's such a routine schedule. So I get right. that. I think just because I already brought it up, Love, Simon did a better job with their heightened reality because it just allowed them to transition from location to location easier. When I talked about Love, Simon on that episode, um, I mentioned that their morning routine must have taken them like an hour because they yeah. he like woke up, he picked everyone up, he got Starbucks for everyone. They got to school and they still had time to like talk in the hallways. And it, I mean, it was necessary just to see the people bonding while outside of class. And then there were still high school consequences. They were in the cafeteria. They were um, uploading things. They were on school computers. They used emails and stuff like that. So the high school atmosphere and environment was used. In this movie, it existed, <laughs> and then nothing was incorporated into it. Yeah, I mean, in the movie, it really isn't important that she's in high school. It's just her age. 
I think that's the only thing that really matters. It defined her age. And that's it. Because otherwise, nothing, like you said, nothing really happens at the high school. Yeah, they go to it, but yeah, what then? Mm-hmm. And we see uh, they go to a party, a, a house party. And that house is gigantic and has everything that you could imagine in a house. They could have used, like, some of that. Other than, yeah. like, this is a cool scene to to use panoramic viewing. Like, I don't know. That all these yeah. high schoolers are dressed up like movie stars. Also, you can't tell me that kid's parents who own a house like that would be cool with their high schooler throwing a party in it. Oh, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> right? Like, come into my McMansion yeah. and destroy the place. Like, no, 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 no. High school parties happen at regular houses. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a modest mansion. Because people with really expensive houses and furniture and decor don't want their shit to get ruined. Yeah, that... And that's normal. Whoever was hosting that party is walking around terrified. Like, oh, no, 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 not the vase! Oh, okay. Yeah, it's that big girl scene, though. (laughs) Yeah. Like, when they're tossing around the vase from Africa, and she's like, no! Yeah. Like, but that's everything in that house. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, overall, I, I think it just didn't commit to a heightened reality. It was like big fancy house and like well-dressed teenagers because that's flashy and like that's what people want to watch but also like she drives her little sister to school and like her sister wears a helmet because it's silly it's like i don't there's just some sort of disconnect between not to mention the ski trip yeah and maybe this is just because i'm a skier i go skiing a lot in the winter but the place they stayed at is expensive what a high school is willing to shell out that much money for a luxury ski trip. I was just surprised that there was like a school-sponsored ski trip. I don't know if that's like a normal thing that happened. Okay. I think in some schools, yeah, but I mean, it is hard because you have to consider safety and all that stuff because skiing is dangerous, but I mean, that's fine, but I've never seen one at a place that nice. At my high school, there is a ski club, and during, during the winter season, like, Every other Friday, you go skiing into Saturday. Oh. Yeah, it was expensive. (laughs) Yes. Skiing is an expensive sport. Well, I just learned something (laughs) that I think we could all learn. Skiing is expensive. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, it felt very like, let's make this look good. Like, let's make the ski trip look good let's make the party look good and it was it just didn't feel real no but it wasn't crazy enough to be like oh okay this is taking place in like a different kind of world than yeah it wasn't specified as like a fancy private school or even like a rich district everyone just happened to be wealthy and flashy and absurdly good looking with good looking Mm -hmm. clothing and stuff so but again, overall, I wouldn't be upset with anyone for saying they liked it. No. Mm-hmm. But I am upset that at the quantity. so many <laughs> people have said that they like it. And like so much. Yeah, it's... They it's, like it a lot. It's not adding up to me. So fans, if you're listening and you thought this was an incredible movie, please let us know why. We genuinely don't know. Yeah. Don't I'm not going to judge you. Like, I just don't understand. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. 
Please tune in next week where we talk about Spooky Buddies, part of the Air Bud franchise, and the genre of movies that are so bad, they're good. If you liked us, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 2 underscore bald men, and find us on Facebook. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thank you all so much again, and if you were driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time.